<clears throat> this is uh, in the church world what they call National Youth Pastor Sunday. Uh, it's the Sunday that comes after Christmas, and ordinarily, because of the busyness in the church world leading up to Christmas, ordinarily the youth pastor gets the call and gets the opportunity to preach. So uh, that's what this morning is. It's the Sunday after Christmas, and I thought it'd be a good chance to just highlight some people who make this uh, possible week by week. And so um, Ellie and Melody, who were leading us this morning along with Ron, they, they coordinate and lead our teams who lead us in worship week by week. And they have other responsibilities and other jobs, and they continue to serve week by week by week. And it is a, a, a tremendous um, privilege that we have as a church to have them serving us in that way. And so I want to honor them and say thank you um, publicly. And I want to encourage you to do the same. I want you guys to be able to say to them, thank you for giving so much time and so much energy to uh, the worship ministry of our church. I think it's a I think it's awesome. So please do that and um, thank them with me. And also in the back right now, there's a handful of individuals that uh, we, we tucked the command center away. And so you don't even see them, but they're here. And if they weren't here, we wouldn't be able to broadcast our services online or make the amplification happen and all these different things. And so Back there we've got, today it's Brad and it's Noah and it's Micah, and they're normally serving, um, you know, just consistently week by week, and um, Brad and Ben have jumped in to help that team as well, but man, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't be able to do church, and they just continue to serve and give of themselves, and, uh, and I'm very, very grateful for you guys. Um, so please also uh, encourage them. And as is appropriate, when you see them, just thank them and uh, let them know how grateful we are as a church family. And finally, uh, I hijacked a, a men's group, my dad's men's group, that meets here on Sunday mornings. And so Greg and Brad and Ben and, and Dad are uh, coming out to the tree farm to have their men's group, but then they also uh, plug everything in and make sure that everything works. So thank you guys for doing that. We really, really appreciate it. Well, if you can... Grab a Bible and get with me to Psalm 125, and I'll explain kind of where my head's at right now and, and why I wanted to go here. Um, if you remember last year, you know, the, the, it's 2020 was wrapping up. There was all of this optimism, right? Like, oh, I can't wait for 2021. And oh, man, once we turn that calendar page, it's going to be amazing. And then sure enough, it didn't take long for that to get spoiled. But you know, here's another opportunity for us to think through, okay, as the, as the year is ending and we're stepping into the next chapter, let's make sure that we're allowing the Word of God to really recalibrate us. And so this is for me, I'm preaching to myself this morning, but Psalm 125 is, is one of those psalms, I mean, the psalm book is just filled with language for the soul. How is it that we are supposed to feel about the world in which we live? How are we supposed to engage with this world that we find ourselves in, and it gives us not only language of the soul, but it gives us the, the appropriate expressions that we should have. And so this is one of those psalms, it's called the Psalm of Ascent, um, but, it, but, I, but I'm hoping that this morning we would have that opportunity to look at it and then to really reflect on, are we living into what God has in store for us? So let's read the passage, let's pray, and then we'll get to work. This is Psalm 125, starting in verse 1, it reads like this. 
It reads, a song of ascents, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we're praying that by your spirit, through this word, you would speak to each and every one of us. Give us this language so that we could articulate how we feel about the world. And give us a certain confidence in your rulership over it. Help us to represent you well, we pray for Jesus. We pray for your sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in a season that we find ourselves in where anxiety is high, where we look at the world and it's chaotic and we wonder what's going to happen with the coronavirus and we wonder what's going to happen with the economy and we wonder what's going to happen with civic engagement. We wonder about all these different things and there's uncertainty and fog over the moment in which we find ourselves in. Where can we find peace? And this psalm comes to our rescue because it begins to help us think through how we should feel about the world that we're in and how we should engage with it. The thing that we find here is that God is able to protect his people. And so we look at verse 1. And we see those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. Now, it's saying, it's a simile, that those who are trusting in the Lord are like this unshakable reality. And it talks about Mount Zion, and that's a literal place where the temple was constructed, and it's right outside of the old city. Um, but, it, but it speaks also to this spiritual reality. Mount Zion is this category in the Bible that not only was a geographic location, but it becomes this concept. It becomes this incredible concept of the place where God resides. It's developed along the way throughout the scriptures to become this huge thing that they talk about over and over again, lots of different writers in lots of different places. But it points to the reality of God's presence in his world. In uh, a class that I took on Old Testament theology, we had to read uh, a Jewish man named John Levinson. He's a scholar from Harvard, and, and he wrote a book called Sinai and Zion, and he talks about Zion, and he, he puts it like this in his book. He says, it's a sign. Mount Zion is not just this geographical hill in Jerusalem. Really, it's this sign that's pointing to something greater. And he says, it's a sign that beneath and beyond the pain and the chaos of the realm we call history, there's another realm upheld by the indefectible promises of God. There's this thing that God is doing in this world. And when the Bible talks about Mount Zion, it's talking about God's place where he will inhabit. And it is, it is incredible. It is significant. It is beneath and beyond the pain and the chaos of the realm in which we live. And so when the Bible tells us that those who trust in the Lord are like this mountain, we are unshakable. That's the thing that I'm aiming at this morning. As we go through whatever this next year might hold, will we be defined as unshakable? Will we be defined as non-anxious people? 
Meaning, no matter what's going on, we're, we're, not, we're not alarmist, we're not, we're not freaking out, we're not losing our minds over different things, but instead there's this steady confidence in the Lord because we're trusting in Him, and we therefore are like this mountain that cannot be shaken, but endures in fact forever. That's what we're trying to accomplish today. I hope that we become a people who are trusting in the Lord and therefore are un. Shakeable. But furthermore, it goes on to tell us that we're surrounded. Verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The reason why we can be confident no matter what's going on is because God is encamped around us. He surrounds his people both now and forevermore. So he's able to look after us. He's in control of this world, and, and we're going to be okay. And we need to be people who are trusting in him, realizing that protection and that provision is all around us. It, it reminds me of a story in the Bible from 2 Kings where Elisha, one of, the, one of the prophets and his servant, were on this assignment and they found themselves surrounded by an enemy army that was encamped around them. And so the servant was freaking out, like, we're in trouble. I can't imagine how this is going to play out in a way that's favorable for us. I mean, there's two of us, and there's this, this enormous army that's all around us. And for some reason, Elisha just seems, you know, cool and confident. Like, he's just calm. Like, he's just chilling there. And the servant's kind of troubled by this, and he's like, well, can you please explain to me why you're acting like this? Now, this is a very marginal reading. Like, I'm, I'm taking a lot of liberty with this, but the servant's freaking out, and he's looking at, at Elisha, and he's going, what on earth is going on here? And, and Elisha says, um, this is actually 2 Kings 6, verse 16. He says, don't be afraid. And he says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In other words, he says, look, there's stuff going on here that you don't even perceive right now. God is on our side, and his army is far greater than their army ever could be. And then he prays to the Lord, and he says, open, the, open his eyes. Open his eyes so that he can see what's really going on. Yes, there's an, an enemy army encamped around them, but then his spiritual eyes are open. The servant is able to see what's going on. He looks up into the hills, and he sees chariots of fire. He sees the, the host of angels that are surrounding them and that's a game changer then all of a sudden it clicks for him this god is surrounding us and we will be okay and then the story goes on and if you're familiar with it elisha prays and the the enemy is blinded and he walks them right into a different scenario so that's the kind of confidence that i'm talking about today i hope that we can be the kind of people who look at the world that we're living in and we can say, we trust in the Lord, we're like Mount Zion, we're unshakable, we know that the Lord is surrounding us, so even if the world looks chaotic, we don't have to be full of chaos. We can be calm, we can be confident in the Lord. Now, you might be thinking, how on earth do you do this? Well, it's there in the very first verse, those who trust in the Lord, that's the key to a stable life, as Tremper Longman puts it. That's the key. That's how we obtain that sort of unshakability. We trust in the Lord, and we find him to be more than enough for us. We need to, we need to relocate our confidence in him. 
there's a verse that's been standing out to me for months now, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 8, and uh, it's a parallel passage to this one, but the prophet Isaiah, the Lord is speaking to him, and he's living through a very chaotic moment, and God says to him about how the rest of the world is interpreting the moment, and how fearful they are, and how concerned they are, but, but the Lord says to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12, he says, do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. In other words, your fear is it, it, it's located in the wrong place. What you need to do is reassign it to God. Instead of being so concerned with what's happening in the cultural moment, be concerned with the God who is sovereign over the world that he has made. Have a trust in him. Have a healthy fear of him. And then you will become the kind of person who trusts in him and is unshakable. So God gives us this protection. He tells us that he is with his people and we need to be trusting in him. The second thing that we find then is a promise. We find this promise that helps us along the way. In verse 3, it says, The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. The scepter of the wicked is saying there's rulership over the land right now that's foreign and evil, but it is not permanent. So, one of the features of sin is it's very self-centered. And what happens then is... is um, normally how people will look at history is they view their moment of history as the most significant. So that if, you, if you read human history, that's always a theme that runs throughout it. The people who are living in their moment believe this is the most important moment. This is the most significant moment. And depending on whether things are going good or bad, that's how they would evaluate that cultural moment. They would say things like, if it's going well, look at how incredible this is. We are at the pinnacle of human history. This is, this is, we have arrived. But if it's not going well, then it's catastrophic language. This is the worst moment in human history. And there's a temptation, even in us, to view our moment in this way. To look at it either as, you know, the worst moment in human history, or the, the best, potentially the best moment in human history. Well, the Bible corrects our thinking. It reminds us history has been going on a long, long time. And what we're experiencing is not so special nor unique. There have been moments throughout the course of human history, and the psalmist would know this, where things are not going well. But the reminder is that is not permanent. The promise that God makes is the scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land indefinitely. This, this is not the permanent arrangement. So let me just highlight a few different uh, periods of human history. So you can think through this along with me. First off, remember when Daniel and his friends were carted off into exile. They were taken away from their land and they were relocated into Babylon and they were given responsibilities there. And the scepter then of the wicked was over them and over their hometown. But in that moment, they came to the conclusion, they began to realize some of these spiritual realities behind it, that that was not a permanent arrangement. So they needed to figure out, what does it look like to be faithful in that moment, in that situation? And so they 
learned how to bless and serve the society that they were living in, which is a strange thing to do when you're with your enemies and you're doing things that are to their advantage. But that's how they lived. And they commended the God who is to a bunch of people who did not know him yet. But they said things like this. The Lord sets up rulers and then he removes them. They came away with that conclusion. The Lord is able to raise up certain rulers, but then whenever their time is done and God says so, they can be put down as well. And they began to view human history through that grid and it helped them to be faithful in that moment. Now that situation that they went through, again, it was not a permanent one. It was not an indefinite arrangement where the scepter of wickedness prevailed over the land. Another example would be Nehemiah. After exile, Nehemiah leads a group of people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city wall. It's, it's occupied by you know, foreign powers, and uh, the scepter of the wicked is over uh, their land and their hometown, and even the local governors there were cruel and mean and trying to create harm and havoc for the people of God. But Nehemiah was able to be faithful in that moment, knowing that the scepter of the wicked would not remain forever. And so even though there were threats against his life and their safety, he made arrangements that reflected his trust in God. And they rebuilt the wall, and they did it, as you might know, with a sword in one hand and with their uh, construction stuff in the other, and they they just did their work. But they trusted in God, and that situation was not a permanent one. Or, or think with me about the first century when the Lord was on earth. And they, the land that he was living in was, was governed by a foreign entity, the Romans. And the scepter of the wicked was over the Romans. But how did the Lord respond to that cultural moment? Was he wringing his hands about the, just the fact that it was unfair and there were these unjust practices going on? No, no, no. He, there's almost an entire disregard for it. And in fact, when Herod summons him, what does he say? Okay, go tell that fox, I've got some other business I'm tending to. I'm, I'm concerned with the kingdom of God, and I'm not too concerned with the fact that there is a ruler over the land who is evil. So the promise here is that that scepter will not last forever. That should change how we feel about any cultural moment. It will not last forever. Because if it did, look at the end of verse 3, there's a warning in here. If it did, and this is the part that I'm really concerned with, the righteous might use their hands to do evil. There's a warning in here. If we misread the cultural moment and we forget about God's sovereignty in all of it, we will be tempted to misbehave. And, And I fear personally for myself that this is something that's all too easy to do. Um, here, here's what I'm recognizing in my own heart. I'm growing very impatient, right? And there's this temptation in me to become mean-spirited about stuff, to look at the cultural moment and to forget about God's sovereignty in it and instead to start just getting irritable and expressing that by shaming others or resorting to sinful attitudes and behaviors and strategies while you know, just, just, you know, doing all these different things that are, are, are beneath Christianity. Um, and so we have to be aware of this. We are being invited to recognize that God has given us a promise that should steady us through this moment. That this is not a permanent 
situation that we find ourselves in. But God is at work in, in this moment for our good, and that should give us confidence and patience. The coronavirus will not last forever. Uh, I've been reading, um, it's a book called Faith in Times of Plague. And it's a compilation of a bunch of sermons preached throughout historic uh, health crisis events. And, you know, it's, it's a reminder that hum- humans have gone through all kinds of different situations with illness and plague. And it does not last forever. So the virus is not sovereign. In the meantime, let's be Christians while we go through this season. I also think through the fact that the leadership of any nation or, or, or anywhere really is never a permanent arrangement. God sets up leaders and he deposes them. And so this moment that we're going through, however you might evaluate it, it is not a permanent moment. And so we need to recognize that there's a temptation in us to forget that and then to allow our hands to do evil. To, to uh, begin to behave in a way that is below us. To speak critically of others, to slander others, to be mean-spirited, to, um, and we do it in the name of Christianity, but we've got an idea for how the world ought to be, and we begin to pursue it in a way that is inappropriate. And the truth is, as I've been thinking about this, this does incredible damage to the witness of Jesus Christ. And I was reminded of Romans chapter 2, verse 24, where it says, As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And that's a sharp critique, but it's a, it, it reminds us of the importance of how we live right now. We do not want to discredit God. We do not want to live in a way that actually brings God in disrepute. So, let's be people who trust the Lord and who are gentle and patient and kind and who are committed to the ways of God in his ways. Well, that leads the psalmist to a prayer in verses 4 and 5, and the prayer goes like this, Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart, but those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. And this is a continuation of that previous thought that we, do, we don't want to resort to wickedness. So he's expressing this prayer and it's really sharing the heart of God. It's saying, look, the Lord is able to bless and do good to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn from righteousness and turn toward these wicked ways, the Lord will banish along with the evildoers. I mean, this is a theme throughout the Bible. Just We, we cannot claim to be followers of God and turn away from the ways of God. Ezekiel makes that plain in his letter where he says, look, if the righteous cease doing righteous things, will they not be punished for it? We need to be aware that God wants us to continue to maintain an uprightness in our hearts, to continue to live in a way that is faithful to him, come what may. Let's live faithfully, trusting in the Lord, believing in his protection and trusting in his promise that it will not always be the way that it is today. Well, finally, it ends with this blessing of peace. Verse 5 goes on to say, peace be on Israel. Again, that Jewish man, John Levinson, the scholar, says it like this, the temple on Mount Zion from its very inception was to be a palace of peace. 
the people of God are meant to be people who are experiencing the, the peace of God. Meaning all is right in the world. And even when all feels wrong and when you look at everything and it looks chaotic, we need to be a people who are full of that peace. That will draw people to God. In fact, in the New Testament, that idea is picked up in Galatians 6. The Apostle Paul takes this idea and he applies it to a contemporary setting. He says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. And all of a sudden, this isn't just some psalm in the Bible that's meant for people a long, long time ago. It's meant for us. Peace and mercy to all who follow this way of Christ. And he says to the Israel of God, to the true followers of God, may we experience peace. So again, this sermon is for me because I want to recalibrate my heart. I want to make sure that whatever this next year might hold, that I'm going to do it in a way that's pleasing to God, that I'm going to trust in him and I'm going to behave accordingly. And instead of becoming impatient or unkind, instead of using words to harm, I'm going to trust God and follow him. And I invite you to do the same. Let's be his people and let's experience his peace. Let's pray. Lord, we're asking that you would help us to be full of your spirit. Lord, we're, we're praying that you would give us wisdom in these moments. There is so much uncertainty about this age that we're living in. But we want to do it well. Lord, we want to be faithful people who are trusting in you and therefore are unshakable. We want to be able to evaluate human history from your vantage point. That no scenario is a permanent scenario. That the scepter of the wicked will not remain indefinitely. So Lord, help us to believe that and help us to live in a way that is pleasing to you. May we experience your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.